Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week of athletics. The Kansas City Chiefs are once again Super Bowl champions. We've got a new leading scorer in college women's basketball, and baseball fans are thrilled. Pitchers and catchers have arrived, and it's time to start talking about winning the World Series, as thankfully for some franchises and teams, everyone is currently undefeated for their 2024 season. But nothing circles the wagons quite like the National Football League, and especially when it comes down to its final game of the season. Not so super of a game to start. Didn't really get a lot of excitement until toward the end as far as scoring goes. Of course, overtime in any aspect of a game will always prove drama, and there definitely was some in this. Some controversy, some opinions on what should have been done toward the end. But overall... The Chiefs end up winning 25-22. Patrick Mahomes once again atop the National Football League with yet another world championship. Led the Chiefs to the end, a score to win the game, had the ball in his hands. No one you would want to have the ball in their hands more than Patrick Mahomes at the end of a football game. He now a three-time Super Bowl champion, a three-time Super Bowl MVP, We got to see Taylor Swift for just 54 seconds, but they were great, unlike what Chris Russo had to say about it. But overall, the end result, something that, for whatever reason, Vegas didn't expect to see coming. The line of two stayed for the two weeks in favor of San Francisco. As Mahomes said after the game, just to remind everybody, the Kansas City Chiefs are not an underdog. They once again host the Lombardi Trophy, What did you think of this end result, the game overall? Lots to get into, of course, from different standing points with just a generic thought on the Super Bowl 58 that we saw this past Sunday. Well, first of all, Johnny, great to be with you, all of our fans and fans, after Super Bowl 58, which was, I believe, as we discussed here, and not that it was a difficult prediction to make, but between the breadth of the game, the competitors the combatants and the taylor swift factor it was indeed the most watched television program if you want to call it program event in history amazing absolutely amazing and as you said uh the game was 
certainly not a work of art for two and a half quarters. By the way, most watched since they said the moon landing, which you are also familiar with just as the old report. I want to throw that in there so listeners are aware. You've gotten to see both of these historical television events. In the event you are being uh, facetious, uh, I beg to differ if you are being facetious because I did watch Neil Armstrong take that small that small step for man, giantly for mankind, live uh, in the summer of 1969 with my parents. Yes, I watched it live on network TV uh, when it happened. So uh, the old report is indeed old, uh, <laughs> but but I was there. Uh, it was I don't want to say a dud, but it was certainly. Not well played. Uh, those first two and a half, three quarters, a lot of penalties, uh, some turnovers, just defenses dominated, uh, some sloppy play, uh, some lazy penalties. And then, you know, it took off uh, You know, for the last quarter, quarter and a half, all fueled by a massive mistake. Which was, I think, apropos for the game had gone to that point, which was uh, an unlucky bounce or lucky bounce for whoever's favor or disfavor it went in, you know, with the punt going off uh, the defensive back's back of his heel. And you know, we're all watching it, screaming, what are you doing? Going to grab it. And then we realized afterwards on the replay, it was an alert move to try and grab it. It wasn't a very sound move to try and pick it up versus just falling on it, which would have been the right thing to do and the safest thing to do. And the next thing you know, it, it, it's 13-10. Uh, and you've got a brand new game. And it's the only score, touchdown scored by the juggernaut, I say juggernaut, but you know, the great Patrick Mahomes and his not so juggernaut offense. And even though they only gave up uh, one touchdown, uh, which was set up by that gaffe on the punt uh, that resulted in Steve Wilkes being fired. And we'll get to that a little later. <laughs> um, he is Patrick Mahomes just simply before we get to all the decisions and all the bad decisions and, uh, the gaffes by the Niners and their coaching staff, I should say their head coach, again, enough with the Regency notion of Regency bias, as I've heard others state. This is the old report. Patrick Mahomes is the best football player I've seen since Jimmy Brown, which is almost sacrilege for yours truly. Jimmy Brown, as I've said to you, as I've said on the air, on shows, on this podcast, to anyone who will listen in the time of his passing to our fearless leader, Christopher Mandelgris, I am of the firm belief that Jimmy Brown is the greatest, was the greatest athlete in the history of this country. He was the greatest football player I've ever seen. It's very hard to compare positions, and I know a lot of people out there don't even know who Jimmy Brown was. Jimmy Brown was the greatest running back in the history of the sport, thought by all who played against him, watched him, announced him, and he was revered. And I know it's hard to compare positions, but it, you know, 
now it's all Brady and Mahomes, Mahomes and Brady, Brady, Mahomes, like LeBron or Jordan, Jordan and LeBron. The reason I say football player is because, yes, he's a quarterback, but I consider him much more a football player because there is so much he does playing the position of quarterback that even though Lamar Jackson is a great runner uh, and even though Josh Allen is a great runner and both tremendous athletes and do so many marvelous things besides throw the ball that have added new dimensions or wider more expansive, more athletic, more spectacular expansions of the position. Mahomes plays the game like a surgeon, like an incredibly athletic surgeon at the position. He knows where all the pieces are seemingly all the time. Does he make mistakes? Absolutely. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, he threw a bad interception. We know where he was throwing it. Uh, Kelsey was probably not open. And if there was a sliver of daylight to put that ball in, he missed it. But my point is, he seems to be ahead of everybody else. He has that sixth sense where you're just about to make a play on him and he definitely ducks away or sidesteps. Or when he's open in, in the open field, you never get a clean lick. Where you're coming from the blind side, it's almost like he's got eyes in the back of his head. He knows just when to duck, just when to move. He's got the clock in his head. And then when he gets into the open field, how is it he never gets caught? He, is it the football speed? Is it the little deke? Is it the show him a little leg and pull it away? He runs away from everybody. And it, it just seems like he is like what water does to rocks. He wears on you. He roads a defense. He wears a defense down to by the time they get into the fourth quarter or in overtime, you can see that the defense just doesn't have the same energy that they had when they were pressuring him and stopping him. And yes, a couple different times, sacking him on third downs to stop drives and force field goals. And then when it's the most important times, the most crucial of times, they're shot. They can't make that extra step. They can't make that extra grab. He eludes them. They can't catch him. He runs away from them. He dodges them. He sidesteps them. He always knows where the first down marker is. He always gets his guy just enough for the first down. The designed runs are so tremendously deceptive because of the great Andy Reid and his play calling and his design that, I mean, the fourth and one run with the game on the line, there's never even a notion that he's going to be stopped because there's no one near him. He has the benefit of one of the great play callers in the history of the sport. Andy Reid is an offensive genius and has now won three Super Bowls. But quite simply put, I'm not going to sit here and say he's the best quarterback of all time. That's the direction he's moving in. He has played for six seasons as a starter. He has gone to four Super Bowls. He's won three of them. The first one to repeat in 20 years since Tom Brady. And the other two seasons that he didn't go to the Super Bowl, he lost 
to Tom Brady because his defensive lineman lined up offsides and he lost in overtime to Joe Burrow. Those are the two times he didn't make the Super Bowl in conference championship games. So six consecutive conference championship games, four trips to the Super Bowl, three championships. And he's only 28 years old. And he's a great thrower of the football. He has a wonderful touch. He moves deftly in the pocket. He can run spectacularly outside the pocket. And he did it with, quite frankly, in terms of what he's done it with in the past, a motley crew of receivers. Yes, Rasheed Rice got much better. And Travis Kelsey returned to form in the postseason. But Travis Kelsey was not the Travis Kelsey that we've known in the regular season. Uh, so this was Patrick Mahomes and, you know, a little help from his take 50 steps to go five yards running back, uh, a bunch of wide receivers who couldn't hang out of the ball, a terrific defense, uh, which again was at its best in the postseason, which we saw throughout against the Dolphins, against my Ravens. And again, when it counted most against San Francisco after they were being beaten up, and dominated the same way Buffalo was dominating them. Uh, he is a, a simply an extraordinary football player. And like I said, I don't just call him a great quarterback, which is what I called the other guys. I've had these discussions, and every time I've heard Nick Wright refer to Tom Brady as the greatest football player ever, I immediately text him and say, you mean the greatest quarterback ever? And he says, in response, I knew I was going to get a text from you as soon as I said it. Because I've spoken to him on the air that Jimmy Brown is the greatest football player ever. You want to differentiate between quarterbacks uh, and other players, that's fine by me. But in this instance, I'm not even comparing him to other quarterbacks. He is the best football player I have seen since Jim Brown. And his performance is at times phenomenal, at times otherworldly. It is uncanny. And he is, I don't want to say impossible because he did lose those two conference championship games and he lost one of the Super Bowls. Uh, but he is incredibly hard to kill. And I say that, you know, in, in, a, in, in a complimentary fashion. And it, you just, sooner or later, you just have to say, all right, all right. Just like the water on the rock, you wore me down, you win, you got me, I give, you're amazing. I'm not going to say I can't beat you, but you beat me again. And that's what happened to the Niners. And it was on absolutely the grand stage for all the world to see. And that is, along with his, we'll get to, some great contribution from the supposed coaching genius of the Niners. That was the major contributing factors to, for the first time in 20 years, a repeat Super Bowl winner. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure the Chiefs will try and run it back. And go for the three peat. And quite frankly, you know, 
even though I'm a huge Ravens fan and I still think I got the best team, who wouldn't put it past them? I mean, <laughs> they did it again. They did it again. And uh, to their credit, they found a way. Uh, they, they just seem to continue to progress throughout a game. And their defense gets better. Uh, credit to their brilliant defensive coordinator won his fourth Super Bowl. I believe the first ever to do that in Spags, Kurt Spagnola. But it all revolves around Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they look to him. He leads them. He does everything he can to make everybody on his team believe at all times. Yes, he got frustrated during the season, but he overcame it. He continued to lead and show that he's the adult in the room. And when you listen to him talk, you know, even though we all have had it with the Chiefs, if we're not Chiefs fans, even though we've had it up to our eyeballs, and the last thing we want is another Chief win and another Clark Hunt suit, Vince Lombardi trophy and listening to the chiefs play by play man, who we all despise wax poetic about the chiefs. When you listen to Pat Mahomes talk about his teammates, the team, his coach, the organization, the game, what it's about, what's not to love because he doesn't make a wrong move. He's everything you want the face of the game to be. And he literally, like the water on the rock, has worn me down. You wait and you wait and you wait for something to go wrong, for something to finally not go his way. And for once, we had it. It was an ugly end to the first half for the offenses for San Francisco only to be up 10 to three heading into halftime, but you hold Kansas city coming out and get them to throw an interception. Patrick Mahomes, a postseason interception just doesn't happen. You know how many threw last postseason? None. <laughs> he just doesn't do it. His career interceptions for the postseason or a joke. So you get the ball back and you think, okay, despite us not being to have a larger lead here, let's run down the field, keep the pedal down and take this game. And what do the 49ers do? Three and out, three and out, three and out, muffed punt, touchdown chiefs, game over in a sense. Obviously, it wasn't, but it felt that way where they score the immediate next play and you blink and it's 13-10. What the hell happened to us? We had it. We were there. What happened? How are they ahead again? It speaks to just this innate seemingly ability that they have in Kansas City where a lead, a deficit, especially coming into the second half, Never a worry in the world. Patrick Mahomes, through six years of starting, 
already has a Hall of Fame career. Folks have mentioned that Tom Brady's entire career was split into three different sections of three Hall of Fame-worthy instances. But Teddy Bruschi said this the other day, talking about Tom Brady's first six years, because people obviously want to try and compare, well, how did they fare since... Tom Brady is viewed as, by many, the GOAT, greatest of all time because of his seven Super Bowls. And Teddy said it. Tom Brady was nowhere close to this in his first six seasons. There was a stretch in 2001, the Patriots won eight games, where Tom Brady threw three touchdowns and six picks total through those eight games. They won. Three touchdowns. Total. 2003, they went like 8-1, and one, and he was throwing for six and a half yards of play. It was the defense. It was the special teams. That run into the postseason in 2001, he threw for one touchdown. They didn't need him to do anything else. Special teams touchdowns, defensive touchdowns. All he had to do was not fuck it up, in a sense. Be a game manager, if one will, since that gets thrown around far too often now. So it's Patrick Mahomes through six years. It's not even a question. Now you just wait and see what he can do next. But for a time, to wait and see. you have to wait. For a time, though, the 49ers had Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in a situation that we haven't seen them in. A turnover to start the second half and an opportunity to keep your foot on the pedal and try to build on that lead didn't happen. I thought that was the turning point in the game where in the third quarter, they didn't hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. I thought nearly enough. And that was it. 13, 10. They never looked back before we get to this and McCann and McCaffrey and Shanahan. Now there is some, a lot of criticism that has been heaped upon Shanahan for the end of the first half. I want to know what your thoughts were. I'm very curious because I have my opinion. I'm sure you can imagine. Which Tony Romo talked about. He wanted to know why Shanahan wasn't calling timeouts at the end of the first half to get the ball back with maybe 45, 50 seconds after hopefully, well, whatever Kansas City wound up doing, uh, which in this case was uh, just a field goal. whether it would have been just a field goal had they used their timeouts, we have no way of knowing. But what are your thoughts on that? Because he's taken a lot of heat from you know, people that I've listened to uh, for not calling those timeouts uh, to give them a chance to get the ball back. Especially where they were on the field, the Chiefs, that is. I think it was first and 10 at the 25 they get a first down, and it's first and 10 at the 14. Kansas City calls timeout with 109 left in the half. So plenty of time if you want to start calling timeouts in that case to still have some decent time on the clock. I don't know why it seems like some coaches are afraid of this because you think, well, if we call timeouts, that might affect the play calling. They might try to pass. They might do this or that, and it'll lead to a touchdown. But wouldn't you want to have one more chance with the offense you have and give yourself as much time as possible? 
Now they'll say it worked out for them because it only led to a field goal. Whereas maybe you call timeouts, they're able to set up a different offense and score a touchdown instead. So they might be thinking, even though we didn't call our timeouts and we only ended up with 20 or so seconds, at least they didn't score a touchdown. But you're not getting the ball to start the second half either. Understood. But my mindset was because they were running out of timeouts and had to save one for the field goal. I'm watching the game with my son, and Romo mentioned that. And I said you know, to Justin and to the TV, no, 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 no. Don't give him more time. Don't give him a bigger playbook. Make them limit their playbook. Yeah. Make them scramble. Make them have to be concerned about the clock. Because I want Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid concerned about as much as they could possibly be concerned about besides me. Because they're going down the field. I don't want to give them more time. I don't want to give them more options. You know, if they're going to use the middle of the field, all right, I want them to have to hurry. I want them to have to spend that time out. You know, I, I want to limit their options. So, and I was saying that when it was going on, I said, no, 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 don't call the timeouts. And I thought it worked out great for them. And I was saying that not after the fact, I was saying during that time frame, I didn't think it was that big a deal to get the ball back for 45 seconds to go. You know, in fact, you, you know, sometimes you do that. You're at your own 25 yard line, whether it's 10, seven or 10, three, the next thing you know, you got a strip sack, you get a fumble, you get an interception, and then you really hammer yourself. And you're not going to have any timeouts left anyway to work with. Uh, so you're going to have to go hurry up. Could they have gone down the field and gotten a field goal? Of course, we're not, we're not, we'll never know. But my point was I wanted everything within my power to stop them from scoring a touchdown. And I thought one of the best ways to do that was to limit their options and make them have to use their timeouts. Uh, and if they weren't, I want that clock to run. I want this half to be over. I want to get in 10-3. I'm happy at 10-3. I'm not thrilled, but you know, if they're down deep in my territory and all I'm giving up is three and it's 10-3, yeah, they get the ball. I understand. But the point is, I, I want to use the clock moving as another defender is the best way I can put it. He's my 12th. The clock was my 12th man. And I don't want to keep him off the field. I want to use him. I want it to run because I want to get off the fucking field with a field goal. Plain and simple and everything I can possibly do within my power to get that done. And part of that is to limit the amount of time they have to work with. And whether or not that was the intention, I have no idea, but it worked. A huge sack on third and five basically was the killer for that having to settle for a from, field from, goal. from a defense that had not yet run out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then came the second half and then came the play you've alluded to. And then came the beginning of the end. Now I don't want to sit here and say like everybody else says, you know, Mike green, you know, greenie, you can end the game. What do you mean you can end the game? 
You think if you go up 17-3 on Patrick Mahomes, the game is over? I mean, come on. But what you have an opportunity to do is take the game over. 17-3, the way that game was going, was probably like 21-3. It was a big spot. First and 10 at the Kansas City 45, and you throw the ball. You throw the ball. Second down. You run the ball, but there's a penalty. So you have to throw the ball. Third down, you have to throw the ball. This is the same Kyle Shanahan. The same offensive coordinator who had the chance to put the Super Bowl away against the Patriots after the great Julio Jones catch as Atlanta's offensive coordinator, as their play caller. All he had to do was run the ball in the middle of the line. Take a knee. Do anything. Just don't lose yardage. And he gets sacked and gets a penalty. And they're out of field goal range. And the rest is history. 28-3 comeback, losing overtime. This is the same Kyle Shannon who had a two-score lead in the fourth quarter with the ball against Kansas City with Jimmy G at quarterback. And what did he do? He threw the ball on first down. He threw the ball on second down, three and out. Lose the Super Bowl. This is the same Kyle Shannon who had a two-score lead against the Rams in the conference championship with the ball. What did he do? Did he run the ball? Throw the ball. Throw the ball. And they lose a two-score lead against the Rams. And the Rams go on and win the conference championship and go on to win the Super Bowl against the Bengals a couple of years ago. And then, of course... We have this instance where Ted insult to injury. He's got the player of the year, the offensive player of the year at halfback, running back. He runs a moronic rollout on first and 10 that gets nothing. Then he decides to run the ball. You have yet another procedure penalty, second and 15, short gain, incomplete, punt. You pin him back. You hold them, I believe, after one first down. Get the ball back, but your own 30, 32. What does he do? Throws the ball. Throws the ball. Throws the ball. You had an entire half, a long halftime, to rest your running back. Run the ball. Run the ball. Run the ball. They threw it Samuel. to Jennings on the second the second time they got it, and he, he just started running backwards. Before you know it, he's eight yards back, and then it's second and 18. What are we doing? Yeah. We just got a three and out. Yeah, and I know you can't run Samuels as much because he was banged up even before the hamstring. But you know, run the ball. Run the ball. Get behind your offensive line that dominated the first half. I know McCaffrey fumbled, but run the damn ball. 
the first the, the first possession after your kid kicks a 50 yard 55 yard field goal you need one first down you need one first down to have a shot at a two score lead even if it's just a field goal you know time and place what's important right here right now first and foremost we have to get a first down we have to get a first down to keep the pressure on. Give the ball to my best guy. Ram it down their throat. Ram it down their fucking throat till they stop me. He didn't even try. How many times are they going to run the slant against the blitz and get it knocked down? How many times is he going to run that play? How many times when we know Spagnola? As much as this old country lawyer who only played basketball and baseball in high school and never put on a pair of shoulder pads in an organized game, how if I know they're going to blitz, how do you know they're not going to blitz? How do you not know that you not? Do you not know they're going to blitz? What are you doing? Spagnuolo blitzes constantly in the postseason, constantly. How do you not have the blitz picked up? And then you know, after. The unfortunate incident, the gaffe with the punt, when McLeod failed to do what all players are coached to do, just fall on it, just fall on it, just fall on it. There's 17 Niners there. You think you're going to pick it up and run with it? You were smart enough to, to try and do the right thing. You saw what happened. You saw it go off his foot. When I'm screaming, what are you doing? You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're trying to bail your teammate up, but fall on the ball. Fall on the ball. And boom, like you said, it's 13-10. And then the defensive battle starts. Back and forth. Back and forth. They get it. To 17, 16, 13 with the, with the ensuing touchdown drive. Great drive. Kid misses the extra point. I am not going to blame him for this loss. Oh, with 17, 13, Andy Reid kicks the field goal. 17, 16, you're up where you know. Oh, wait a second. Let's just play out what happened and say it would have gone the same route. And just for argument's sake, say that Andy Reid. At 17, 13, had the same third and five from the five or, or thereabouts, wherever it was, inside the 10. We don't know when he's going to run at 17, 13. Down by not three, but four. And even if you ran the same play and you had the same result and it was fourth and goal from the five. You don't know that Andy Reid is going to kick a field goal to go down 17, 16, with only five minutes to go, I would think he would go for it. Be that as it may, we'll never know, but I'm not blaming a rookie kicker who kicked a 53 and a 55 yard for a blocked extra point that he kicked low. The guy I'm blaming is the genius, the boy genius, the son of the Hall of Fame coach, who every time he gets in a big spot, he gags. 16 all. 
last drive. Third and five, third and four. After what I thought was a questionable play called a Kittle. It was a ghost. Couldn't break one tackle and a great play by the defensive back. You've got a third and four. After a two-minute warning to come up with something. You've got the two-minute warning to work with. Kansas City's already spent a timeout. They've only got two left. You are within field goal range. You need four yards to basically have the game end on a field goal attempt. Four yards to win the game on a field goal attempt or have it go into overtime if it's a miss. This has to be the best play in your book. The best one you've got to gain four yards with all those weapons. With Ayuk, with Samuel, although banged up, playing. With Kittle, with the offensive player of the year in the backfield. And you come out of that timeout. You don't pick up the blitz. You try yet another slant where the catch would have been inside the marker. And of course you get it knocked down. How do you not get the ball into McCaffrey's hands? And give yourself the option of going for it on fourth and one or fourth and two. You had to run your best play. You can't tell me that you didn't know Spags was blitzing. He's always blitzing in that situation, well disguised or otherwise. You've got to help the young quarterback. You can't expect him to figure that out. It has to be the best play in your fucking playbook. It's third and the Super Bowl. It's third and your kicker. With five seconds to go, not 13 seconds, Josh Allen. Five seconds to go after you get that first down. And that's what you call? That's what you call? For all his genius, for all his brilliance, for all his overratedness and all his success, every time he gets in a huge spot, he doesn't get it done. He no way, shape, or form put his young quarterback in the best position to win there. Didn't pick up the blitz. Didn't know it was coming. Didn't execute. The play call was horrendous. Horrendous. You must put the ball in one of your best players' hands with an opportunity to succeed. That ball must be in your running back's hands. And if you're a fan on the couch, you're fine if it doesn't work because you could at least say, well, I mean, who else were we going to give it to there? Obviously, it's McCaffrey. You give it to you. You get the ball to your stud. Little swing pass. You want to run them? I'm fine if you want to run them. You're short two yards. You want to go for the fourth down? Your call. Tough call. Tough call. Fourth and two. They'll probably spend that second time out. 
50-yard field goal. Now they've only got one timeout because they just spent the second one. Remember that. Less time to work with. Not that they need it, but less time to work with. And only one timeout. And that's the play you run. Incomprehensible. Unfathomable. He does it every time. Every time. Every time. Never fail. And then on Kansas City's last drive, the play that no one talks about except me. Maybe this is what got Steve Wilkes fired. I don't know. I know Greenlaw was hurt. He was the one who was most of the work on Kelsey in the first half. But we talked about it last week. Talked about it to everybody I talked about before this game. Again, I'm not Mr. X's and O's. I wouldn't know a cover two from, you know, a manhole cover. But you got to chip Kelsey. You got to, you got to pop him at the line of scrimmage. You can't let him, you can't let him run free. You must throw him off his route initially. I'm not going to say he's not going to throw you down. He might, but they did a lot in the first, did a lot in the first half. Third and seven from their own 45 or thereabouts. Huge play. Huge play. Obviously, they got to go for it if you stop them, but it's third and seven. And lo and behold, Kelsey goes to the right side, and there's nobody on the line of scrimmage with him. <laughs> and I turned and I said to my son, Justin, Kelsey's just going to go right over the middle. They don't have anybody on him. Snap, four steps, breaks to the middle. Fred Warner trailing. 40 yards later, is the 10-yard line. I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? I turned to my son, Justin. I said, if I know what they're going to do, how can they not know what they're going to do? For years, this is the play. I mean, how do you just let them go over the middle untouched? There's one guy you have. To, and again, if you're a fan on the couch, and you watch a replay, and someone ends, someone else ends up wide open, whether it's Rice, who, whoever, and you watch and see three defensive guys just draped over Kelsey, but they left somebody wide open, and he. Kind I'll of, live with it. Okay, that's fine. At least he didn't catch it again. Oh, what you can't. You can't script it. But you always wind up saying the same thing. How? Is he wide open? How do you leave him wide open? And then, oh, by the way, let me outrun a tired defense, you know, for another 35 yards down to the 10-yard line. It's incomprehensible. It's, it's you know, despite all the brilliance of Andy Reid and the motion and the play design and the deception, it's Travis fucking Kelsey. All right, he's right in front. He's right in front of your fucking face. He's out there on the right side, and you don't have anybody on the line. And where do you think he's going? Where he always goes, it's waltzing over the middle, untouched by human hands, with the Kelsey force field. Can't get near him. It's the Kelsey force field. You're just just when you need it most. 
it always rears its ugly head. And to overtime we go. So my next big question for you, the massive amount of criticism that Kyle Shanahan got for everything that we just talked about, I don't want to say doubled, but certainly piled on with his decision to take the ball in overtime, thus giving Patrick Mahomes the quote-unquote fourth down to work with, which by so many folks was indefensible. Uh, Greeny, the hideous, clueless buffoon of buffoons, the know-it-all, Mike Greenberg, said it was indefensible, inexplicable, et cetera, et cetera. Our fearless leader didn't have a big problem with it. Your thoughts. First, let me say, I was confused much like the 49ers. It's not a sentence that I should say, but one that proved true based on the in-game microphone videos that we've seen from what some of the 49ers were saying at the time. I had remembered that the postseason rule was going to change based on the Bills Chiefs game in which Mahomes was able to beat Josh Allen. The Josh Allen pundits were butthurt that he didn't get to touch the football again. So they changed the rule to say you can score on your first drive in overtime, but the other team will get the ball with an opportunity to do the same. And then overtime continues or beat you or beat you. Yes. I didn't feel like that was properly explained and refreshed before the overtime and then not really much during it because it's the highest of stakes. So you're focused on the plays and not necessarily on the math and the analytical aspect of it. I don't know if they would have benefited from having a graphic ready that they usually throw up during like college football especially because the overtime rules are different from years past where here's what happens first overtime. Like I didn't know, or it didn't hit me that the clock meant nothing. Correct. Until it would have meant something had both teams scored and it was the third possession. But even still, you could just have nothing clockwise until that happens. So each team gets the ball, no time. It would not have meant anything. I think, what do you think they're going to do? End the game in a tie? Two-minute warning is still in play. Would it not have been for the for the second quarter, quote-unquote? I think they... Oh, I, thought you meant in, I thought you meant in terms of ending. No, I, I think the, the, game the, only thing, the only thing that would benefit for a time purpose would be if you were to get into a second overtime quarter, a two-minute warning would still be in play, and then you would also maybe have a halftime? I mean, we obviously didn't get close to that, but that was my understanding. Would, I, don't think you would, I don't think you would have a halftime now. Or you would, you you, would switch. I, I don't think you would have a halftime. Um, I'm sure you would switch ends just like switching you know, this ends. one went to a second overtime. 
But but either way, I don't think the clock was explained really well to anyone. Because if well, you if you've I, listened I, to the final calls for both what we heard from well, what Tony Romo, been said was the, what should have been said was the clock doesn't matter. The clock doesn't that, matter because it's that winding down, said. and hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, surely millions. Let's not be coy about it. 123 million watch the game. Millions and millions of people are going. Are they going to call timeout here? Oh, they're snapping it real fast. They want to score before the timer's up. And that's what you're thinking. And the touchdown happens, and your brain is still trying to comprehend, well, the time was running out. That shouldn't I, I, have been thought, a factor or something I that we're even thinking about. I thought when they went about. to Gene Steratore, he explained it sufficiently. I thought the referee explained it sufficiently. We'll get to the referee in a minute, the crew. You know, they gave it to Steratore to, to explain. And, you know, it, it, it basically is, you know, Whoever you, know, you get the ball first, you score. This team that gets the ball second has a right to match or beat you. If they match you, we play on, and it's sudden death. Uh, if they beat you, it's over. Right. Uh, and and if they don't match you, it's over. It just it just gives this the team on the defense the chance to match or beat, which they didn't have in the past. So they have a chance to get the ball. And if they don't score, the next score wins. I don't think yeah. it really hit home with viewers until Romo made the point of like, this is just the first quarter of overtime. If time runs out, we're just going into a second quarter. But he, it, it happened like so late in those moments where it still was like, what are we? T- are they going to score here? They call timeout. It was just obviously not something that the NFL cares about because we're watching. It didn't make that impact and us being confused. What the hell do they care about? But I think it just was, it was sloppy in a sense for it to be that magnificent of a moment and a game winning play where Mahomes says Hardman didn't even know he won the game. (laughs) He had to tell him like, we won the Super Bowl. Shannon's explanation of we wanted the ball third. I, I, I just, I, I would have been fine if his explanation was, look, Mike, just just like the scenario with Kansas City and Buffalo, remember the Buffalo defense had to go right back on the field. Right. After they had been on the field, that gave up the tying score. And when they had to go back on the field, you figured they were in huge trouble because they were gassed. Similar to even the Falcons, Patriots, twenty-eight to three. Exactly. Falcons exactly. coming out north, they've got nothing. I mean, Tom yeah. could have been throwing it lefty. They're not going to stop yep. them at that point. Agreed. And so, if Shanahan's explanation was, "Look, my defense has just been on the field right, for a long drive. Um, they 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 needed to blow, and our I felt good about where our offense was, and we wanted to be aggressive." So we took the ball, but the notion of you know, we want the ball third, I, I, I can't, I can't buy that because you may not get the ball third. You know, like everybody, like a lot of people said, and who knows what would have ha- would have happened. You know, had they scored a touchdown, and Kansas City matched it, maybe can't. Would you put it past Andy Reid to go for two? You know, with Patrick Mahomes, because he gives the if he gives the ball back and they score, they win. And you'll never get a chance to win the game. So maybe he takes the chance to win his game and goes for two. So your chance to get the ball third may never happen, even if you do score a touchdown. Well, what we heard based on 
the commentary after the dust is settled. I mean, I think the most inexcusable thing is that several 49ers were unfamiliar with the overtime rule when they ended up in an overtime. And they're saying as much on the field. There's video of Kyle Juszczyk, who went to Harvard, being like, I didn't know this was the case. Whereas Kansas City, once the 49ers received, their whole sideline, Mahomes and Kelsey, are going up and down. We don't want the ball first. Let them have it. Go ahead. Like, they knew all of this. It's inexcusable for the team playing in the game to be as clueless as some of us watching it on our couches were. You can't have that happen. This is something the Chiefs have been practicing for weeks and months since the season started. Hey, we're probably going to get to the postseason. Here's the new rule, remember? Let's have a couple plays ready. Let's figure out what we want to do. So that's, I think, the most inexcusable part. I agree completely with you as well. If Shanahan just said, hey, man, our defense is gassed. That's an emotional moment for the game to be tied in the Super Bowl. We almost had it. Now we got to go to overtime. The Chiefs have said, though, hey, it's nice you want the ball third. Andy Reid said, if we scored, we're probably going for two anyway. And why wouldn't you? Why would you want your defense to have to come back out? You've got that Chiefs offense with how miraculous their play calling can be for those short situations. Of course, they're mostly... I mean, they and, said and as much. And, we don't know remember, what would happen, but they have said and, basically they're going for two there no matter what. So getting the and, ball third, it's not happening. Because remember, in terms of what you said about the defense, that would have mean that the, that that would have meant that the Kansas City defense would have just been scored upon. Now, granted, that means the Chiefs now have taken time and scored themselves. But do you want to send your defense back out there when all they need is a field goal? And you've got a chance to win the game and you won't get the ball. There's possibly you won't get the ball back. And now you've got it with Patrick Mahomes and, you know, five yards. So, right. You've, you've uh, worked the odds against you now because you're not guaranteed well, your yards. quarterback, well, Patrick what, Mahomes, what, what, is getting it. I wouldn't have been surprised if that was the plan for them. But the other thing you wonder is, and, and I don't know the answer to this. When you're going down the field and you're the 49ers, if you don't know the rules, how desperate are you to score a touchdown? <laughs> I mean, they, they have they, they have to know that if they get a field goal, the other team gets the ball. At least. Don't they? They should. They have to right. know that. Because that's the old part of the rule still. They have to know that, right? Because that's the way it's been. A field goal doesn't win. Right. People were saying, like, right? if they scored, were they going to celebrate like they had won the game? And meanwhile, right. the officials were like, are you kicking or are you going for two here? What's the So, you know, was there a notion of desperation we need to score a touchdown? Settling for a field goal? And again, the Shanahan play calling on, you know, they ran, they ran the ball twice. It was third and four uh, on the, the, their possession in overtime. The play again. How is the best? And and you know, here's something you never see them call timeout. You don't need the timeouts anymore. On third and four, why not call a timeout? Right. Again, to get my best play on the field. And what do they do? They don't. They don't block Jones. They don't. They don't block the best. The best pass rusher. The best defensive lineman on the team goes unblocked. And Purdy's got to throw the ball out of the bounds to the right side. Meanwhile, if you watch the replay, not that if he would have looked there because it almost like he looked was always looking to the right side. Ayuk was 
literally his defender fell down on his post on his break uh on a huge break to the inside he was literally wide wide nobody within 10 yards of him in the middle of the end zone it seems like this play and the one you had mentioned previously where they got another free rusher it almost felt like and again what do i know as you said i know cover two and a manhole basically the same way but it felt like this was another instance where that's a pre-made decision throw it to x it's going to this guy we're drawing up the play he's going to be open throw it to him so and there's no the, room for error where if if that is happening oh my god chris jones is coming but i have somebody over here. it's i'm throwing to this guy no matter what and it gets muffed up to start and everything gets thrown off there's no backup there's no safety blanket there's no well i know this other guy will be this way it's i gotta throw it to this guy no matter what and he didn't have any time I don't know if it's if it's the quarterback there that has to adjust the line, if it's if it's just the play call in general where you should have stopped coming, but frustrating if you're a Niners fan that third and whatever, biggest moments, here comes a dude uncovered running at Brock Purdy in his first real season trying to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And what's he supposed I, to do? I, I I just think that, that that's a huge element of this game. Uh, the coaching differential between the two head coaches who are the two offensive play callers to me was just night and day. They made all the big plays when they had the ball down the stretch. Every big play they had to make when they had the ball in their hands, they made it. That's not to say San Francisco didn't make some of their own. Look, I, I, I disagreed with the fourth and three call where Shanahan went for it and got it on the great dive. I, I would have taken the three. Yeah. I would have taken the three, but to his credit, and I'm I'm giving him credit. Um, you know, what, I, I have no idea what the analytics were. I don't care. All right. Uh, but they ran the little, the little toss to big George and he made a hell of an effort and he got to the marker with the dive and got the ball ahead of the marker before he went out of bounds. I would have kicked the field goal, you know, and they scored the touchdown in the next play. That was a well-designed play. It barely got it, but it did get it. But I was screaming at the TV, take the points. So I was wrong. He was right. Worked out to his credit. But to me, that doesn't overcome, sorry, all of the opportunities that were missed by the refusal, the failure, whatever you want to call it, to run the ball. Uh, in huge spots, when when you had a chance to take a two score lead, well, it was was a first down. That the entire design there to me has to be get this first down, get this first down, uh, and that's all got to be based upon getting a solid gain on first down with your best player, with your best player and I know McCaffrey had the requisite, the requisite amount of touches for what we were hoping but he should have had more he should have had more and Samuel should have had more I know Samuel got banged up but he wasn't that banged up at the beginning of the second half that he couldn't have seen the ball on a quick screen or he couldn't have seen the ball on a jet sweep I just again there are certain times in the game where you have to consider it the most important time in the game 
you know, if you score there and it's 13-3, it, it, it's so much better than 10-3. And I'm not going to say that you would have held them like you did because everything changes, but, you know, you held them two more times after that. You know, the first time you had another three out when you threw the ball three times, and the next time I was, the ball went off the, you know, the kid's foot. So you had three straight stops, and you get one first down. Third time you didn't get the ball. The other two times you ran six running, you ran six passing plays. I, I just don't get him. Every time he gets a lead, he refuses to run the ball when his team is dominating the line of scrimmage. And then his defense winds up spending a good chunk of time on the field because of circumstances beyond their control. And then they look gassed in the fourth quarter down the stretch. And the same thing in overtime. They looked exhausted in overtime. Bosa looked shot. Chase Young looked shot. Bosa just absolutely wrecked on what was the game-winning touchdown. Fell as hard as you possibly can for the fake run that I guess Andy Reid apparently wanted to have, but they were playing it. They've seen it before, and he bolted for the fake. Mahomes had the option. They ran the same play that beat the Eagles where they run a guy in motion, stop halfway, he cuts the other direction, and nobody's around. Kelsey's got his hands up before the ball even leaves Mahomes' hand. Same exact play. Touchdown. Same exact play. If you're a Niners fan, the frustrations of those, we need these plays in the second half. They just didn't come. And and to me, again, you've got a quarterback in his second year, and I just don't think the coach did enough to help him. Between the play calling and, you know, the the lack of recognition – when you know, everybody in the world that watches the Chiefs and has seen the way Spagnuolo has run this defense knows that the ranch is coming. Know it's coming. Time after time after time. And to not have your quarterback prepared for that and the biggest of spots with a timeout coming out of the two-minute warning, to not be prepared for that and not get that done, to me, that that's the two biggest spots. I mean, the punt absolutely flipped the game. But with that, when there are opportunities for decisions that could impact the game, the fail to run the ball on first and ten after the interception, and the third down play call, just unacceptable. Unacceptable. Those are the, those are the things. It's a full. 60 minutes of football and a ton of plays and offense, defense, and special teams. But lots of times it comes down to a few plays. Time in place. What's the situation? What's the most important aspect right here and now? In both scenarios, the most important thing was to get one first down. One first down. One first down put you in field goal range to go up two scores one first down was the equivocal of ending the game with either the winning field goal or ending it in regulation with a missed field goal and you failed miserably both times both times and you call the place and you 
failed again and you lost again. And then two days later, you blamed it on your defensive coordinator with some <laughs> bullshit excuse of, you know, well, we, 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 we just, you know, we have our differences. Yeah. 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 He coached a damn good game and you didn't. Yeah. He lost his, one of his best linebackers and still had his defense only give up one touchdown, which is a special teams game. And you're firing him. The third defensive coordinator in three years. Now the other two obviously left for head coaching jobs and uh, to add insult to injury. You, you literally hang your guy out to dry. You hang your guy out to dry by one firing him, and you do it at such a time, not that you have any option time-wise, but there's no other jobs. Yeah. Thanks for that. So what's Steve Wilk going to do? Now, hopefully it was a two- or three-year contract, so he's still getting paid. But that's to me, that's embarrassing. It's, Shanahan's embarrassing. He should be embarrassed. He should be embarrassed. He should be ashamed of himself. Should be ashamed of himself. The overtime not knowing situation is just something that I don't think if you're a fan of the 49ers and just a football fan, you can get over. It's just inexcusable to not know the rule of that importance. I understand the no- odds of you going to overtime in a Super Bowl are slim to none. No question. Overtime in general. Very rare. You, you, you were okay with not taking the ball. You weren't okay with the reason for it. Yeah, just saying our defense is gassed and it's a huge risk, obviously, having Patrick Mahomes with the football, knowing what he needs to do. Because now they've got four downs to play with the entire drive. Right. Fourth and one at the 34. To... Take a guess who gets the ball and runs for the first down. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. Right, but the, you know, in overtime, fourth and one, uh, I think he still goes for it. Yeah. I think he still goes for it if he's got the ball you're in the first possession. I don't think Andy Andy Reid's punting there. I don't think Andy Reid's going to punt on fourth and one from his own 35 when he's got Patrick Mahomes, and if he gives the ball to San Francisco, he loses a Super Bowl and a field goal. Mm-hmm. It's like the two-point conversion. Right. Same situation, except they only got to go foot. Same I, scenario. The icing on the cake as well. You can't script it any better. After there was third and one and Mahomes again ran for like 20 yards because they they put a lot of hey if you've got it take it he usually just runs on third and some things to get first downs but there were other moments in this game where he just took it and ran I thought they could have maybe run Brock Purdy a little bit more on the Niners side but it's first and 10 at the like 13 they run it with Pacheco and then who's again Wide open up the middle to get them down to the three. Our guy. <laughs> oh, the only fitting part would have been if he just went and scored. Travis Kelsey. Oh, the, the, way he, the way he was bulling. You know, the shocking part going, is he didn't score. When, when he started going from the five with the four guys on him, <laughs> I, I was waiting for, you know, the two Kansas City offensive linemen yeah. to come in from behind and the pile to keep going and going and going and going. I think he and said, like, well, you know, we might as well go down. Don't want to fumble it or anything silly here. If I wanted to score, I probably could have. Yeah. You're just shaking and, your head at the opportunities you had. And then you, and then you knew it was over. Because this, it, it, this wasn't a... 
shootout where you're not going to beat Patrick Mahomes in that sense. You had them, man. They played, for chief standards, a terrible game in the first half. Not a great third quarter. I mean, you hold them to 19 points and you're firing the defensive coordinator. You hold Patrick Mahomes to a touchdown? And the touchdown In the was, four quarters? The touchdown was what? What was that, about an 18-yard touchdown after they recovered the, the Yeah. The gaff? There's, there's the emotion of, oh, my God, we gave him the ball back, and he finds Scantling, who, like, I don't even know if he had another catch. Touchdown. You're just shaking your head because it's Kyle Shanahan having this happen to him again. Like I said, time after time after time. It's the third Super Bowl he's given away. One is a coordinator, two is a coach. And every time it's the same thing, throwing the ball with no need to. And as for the overtime, I I don't know what the fix is. If there is a reasoning for the clock, I'd love to hear it because it seems like you don't need that. I think you could just put a a little digit down in the score bug that says first possession, whatever team. And then first possession, whatever team. And then they get the – because you're not – time's not going to matter because it's not going to run out. If it runs out to end the quarter, who cares? Like, it's just switching sides, I guess, is the biggest reason for it. Yes, it's it's, it's switching sides and and a little rest. Yeah. The explanation, though, it's really interesting listening back to the final calls on radio and on – TV broadcasts and stuff where they're they're mentioning the clock like they only have eight seconds. Here we go. Instead of looks like they're gonna run a run a play before 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 the the first yeah, overtime have, period before we have to before we have to change ends. Yeah, something like that to make to just you emphasize know, remember, once remember, more like every, the game every, won't be. Remember, over. folks. Remember, folks. If the clock expires, nothing changes except the direction that you're going. In. Right. We just pick it up. It's like it's the second quarter. Because some cool. some of were like, well, they have two timeouts. I'm surprised they're not using one here. It's just, it was just really clunky and unlucky for them to have, like, if that gets stopped at the one, the time runs out. There's going to be an awkward, like, is the game over? The like I don't I can't imagine what the radio and broadcast would have sounded like because I'm pretty sure they a lot of them would have been like the 49ers have won the Super Bowl and then they'd have to be like oh wait a minute we're heading to second overtime so then and of course and of course Romo is getting a ton of heat oh from my goodness. <laughs> Tony Nance was so Bowl. excited for his Vegas call you know he had it ready to go and this guy had to document the entire play right after it. We and got you know, time, Jimmy, man. Jimmy Train is going nuts saying, you know, he can't say this. He, even though if he, he even though he may have known that, you know, third and goal from uh, you know from the six, wherever it was, for the Niners was not to win the Super Bowl. You know, he shouldn't say this is for when he said this is for the Super Bowl Jim. You know, even though if he knows it, it may not be to win the game that he shouldn't say that because he makes it sound like he thinks it's to win the game. Uh, and I can't believe he thought it was to win the game. You know, I, for the third and goal from the Niners in, in overtime. I can't believe he thought that was to win the game. Um, because he says, it's for the Super Bowl, Jim. 
A lot of the plays for the Super Bowl, but you know, you shouldn't make it sound like right. this is the play that can win the Super Bowl. Um, although if they score a touchdown in San Francisco, doesn't it is the play that wins the Super Bowl? <laughs> but you know, Tony takes a lot of heat. Uh, I like him. Um, you know, he, he's sometimes he's a little over the top, but you know, I, I don't mind the enthusiasm and the excitement, and he's right a lot. So. You know, and he sees stuff coming. You know, he saw the blitz coming, uh, you know, and, and said, oh, 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 they should have done that. Yeah. When he's, when he's got, when they pick up the blitz and he's got Rice wide open, um, you know, in that big third down play. So I, I think he does a good job and I think he's a fun listen. And I think he's a really good guy. So I don't, I know he screwed up, you know, on, on, you're not letting the game breathe and letting Nance have his moment with jackpot. Um, you know, we really didn't need a big description of the same call we saw last year going in the other direction in the Philly game. Um, so I, I feel you know, bad for him with the criticism that he takes because I don't think he does anything intentionally uh, to uh, show up Nance or take away from the spotlight. Uh, I just think he's sometimes he, he gets a little over enthusiastic. He gets excited and I'm okay with that because I, I think it's cool that he gets excited. Uh, I, I think he has a real passion and enjoyment for the game. And I, I think that's, I think that's a good thing. Another celebration for the Kansas city chiefs two in a row. And we talk about on this program, uh, the difficulty of a back-to-back, the sometimes foolishness of excitement from teams and saying, let's run it back, how that never seemingly works. And this certainly wasn't a run it back in the sense for the Chiefs not having a lot of weapons offensively, but improving very much so on the defensive side. I mean, silently, two of the best corners in the football league are on the Chiefs. And some and of the defense they had in the first quarter, saving a touchdown. I mean, there's conversation. Are we going to give this MVP to a defensive guy? And look, a, a defensive lineman in Chris Jones, who, and, and there's a lot of great defensive linemen in the league, but nobody, nobody, but nobody plays better in big games on the defensive front than Chris Jones. He is always there when they need him. He makes big play after big play after big play. He's in Josh Allen's face to push him back in the pocket to prevent them from being a touchdown pass. He got in Purdy's face a couple times, one of which may have clearly prevented a touchdown pass uh, you know, to Samuel. And obviously, he's there in the biggest spot in overtime. He's always there when it's time for a big play. He's a tremendous player, tremendous player, tremendous money player. And he's he's a bad dude. Chris Jones a bad man. If you're running it back and it seems like we're good with Andy Reid returning. There were rumors that he was going to retire for whatever reason. Kelsey said he's following that man. 
if he's coming back. So he'll be returning. And, of course, there's this Patrick Mahomes guy that you happen to have at quarterback. If you can keep that defense mostly whole and just add a couple guys that could catch footballs <laughs> decently. Well, they've got a couple free agents. Um, Jones is free agent. I'm sure they'll bring him back. Although he, he hollered at the parade that he's coming back. And I oh, think yeah, his they, agent jokingly said, like, hold on. <laughs> I've I, I read where they're already working on a three-year deal. Yeah. Uh, I believe Snead is a free agent. And I think Gay is a free agent um, You know, on the defensive side. On the offensive side, I think they're just going to get better. They will draft for sure in a very deep wide receiver class. I think they'll draft a wide receiver. And there's a lot of good ones out there. There are free agents in there are free agents coming out, you know, in the in the wide receiver position. There's there's a few of them. Mike Evans is going to be a free agent. Whether or not they can afford him, I don't know. I believe that the kid from the Colts that I love from USC. Their number one guy, um, but not a big free agent class uh, at the wide receiver spot. I would think Mike Evans would be the lead guy. Uh, maybe Mike Williams from the Chargers, who I think is coming off. Is Mike Williams coming off? Mike Williams, he didn't finish the season healthy, did he? I thought he was hurt. I think so, too. Yeah, because he that's usually the unfortunate thing of Mike Williams is just like, yes, so when, he's hurt. when is he going to get hurt this season? Can he come back in time or is he done? Right. Um, so there's a few out there, but it's a very deep, deep wide receiver draft. So I would not be surprised if they took a wide receiver, uh, you know, with their second round pick maybe trade it up to get an earlier spot in the second round, but there's going to be a lot of good wide receivers available in the second round. Uh, I don't know what they'll be to do with the running back position. Obviously Pacheco is, is, is just a kid. He's clearly their number one guy, but it certainly doesn't seem like that they've done it with clearly a running back by committee throughout this, uh, this run of that they've had. You know, in the six uh, conference championship, four Super Bowls, and you look at Andy Reid now. He's gone to five Super Bowls, zero and one with the Eagles, three and one with the Chiefs, six straight title game conference championships with the Chiefs. I believe he went to five with the Eagles. I think he was one in four in conference championship games, NFC conference championship games. It, you know, he, there aren't a lot of guys with three Super Bowl titles. You know, you can name them on one hand. Chuck Noll has four, obviously. We know the leader of pack is, with the uh, leader of the pack is Belichick, of course, was six. But, you know, Noel is four and oh. Uh, Bill Walsh was three and oh. Joe Gibbs was three and one, if memory serves me correct. They were crushed by the uh, the Raiders, so I believe he was three and one. I think he's only got one loss. I said Bill Walsh, correct? The three and zero. Shula 
was three and it was Owen one with the Colts, Owen two with the Dolphins, two and two with the Dolphins, three and two with the Dolphins. I think Shula was three and three. Memory serves me correct. Lost with the Colts, United Small to the Jets, lost to the Cowboys Doomsday with Greasy Zack and Kick, then won the next two, 72 undefeated and 73, to get him to two and two. Won with David Woodley. Uh, oh, no, so he lost. That's right, he lost that game. He lost to the, they lost that game, excuse me, on the John Riggins run. So Shula is 0-1, 0-2, Shula's 2-4. Excuse me, did not win three. Shula's two and four. Landry loss. Win. Loss. Win. Landry is 0 and 1, 1 and 1, 1 and 2. Landry's 2 and 3. Landry won two and he lost three. So Landry's only got two. So it, you know, it, it's a very short list of guys with three Super Bowls. You know, victories. And he's been to five. That's rarefied air. Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells only won two. It's And to do it this season beating the best the whole way through that. I don't think it's talked about enough either. It's like who they had to beat, the defenses they were going up against the quarterbacks they had to play against. This wasn't a cakewalk by week. Take it easy. Just win the AFC championship deal. No. Beating the bills and the Ravens on the road was, and, and then going in and knocking off the Niners, they arguably beat, I won't even say arguably. I would say it would be a consensus that they beat in with the, with the one week off, of course, but in consecutive playoff rounds, the three best teams in football. Everybody thought all year long the Niners were the best team in the NFC and the best team in football. But the Ravens kicked their ass on Christmas night and became the best team in football. And the Bills went from 500 to 11 and 6 and were considered the team that nobody wants to play. Well, they played them all and they beat them all. Two of them on the road uh, and the third one in the Super Bowl. That's a pretty impressive run. And I said before, I'm the rock. (laughs) They wore me out. Unfortunately, too, that we have to make mention the excitement of another parade of seeing what Travis Kelsey's going to scream into a microphone, a highlight every year now. He didn't disappoint trying to make up his own lyrics. I've got friends in low places. Got about halfway through and <laughs> started slurring away. and Didn't really make, make it back to the music once they started playing it over the PA. Tragedy strikes. 
another mass shooting, people running around. It's on live television, so we're watching everything happen. Three shooters, two juveniles, one woman, Lisa Lopez Galvin, dead. 20-something people hurt, injured, 8 to 47 the ages, people sent to the only hospital. Only here. Only here. And what will happen, now is, is they're not going to fix what needs to happen. What they'll try to fix and what will change is the rules and regulations for Super Bowl parades and celebrations and not what the actual issue is. That's going to be only the fun part about it. Only here. Only in this country, the greatest country in the world. Can we continue to go on where the politicians, those in Congress, those in the state legislatures refuse to pass strict gun laws for fear of reverberation by the money, by the people that make the guns and the people that make the ammo for this incredible fear that if we have a nationwide ban on assault rifles, that that means no one else can ever legally own a gun. For the one millionth time as an attorney who has studied the constitution for the better part of 40 years, well, more than 40 years, there is no Second Amendment right to a fucking assault rifle. You have a right to bear arms. That doesn't mean you can have a nuclear silo in your backyard. It doesn't mean you can own a Sherman tank. All right. It doesn't mean you can launch grenades at your neighbors. All right. Everything is regulated. The right to bear arms is and can be regulated. You can have a hunting rifle. I don't care what you legally own to defend your home and hunt. If it's a revolver, if it's a shotgun, if it's a rifle, whatever it may be, I understand your right to have it. I understand your right to use it recreationally. Obviously, you have no right to use it unlawfully. But the point is, I'm not coming and I don't care about your right to defend or impinge upon your right to defend your home. Nobody's defending their home with assault rifles. And if that's what you want to do, you can't because you can't have one. But the politicians, mostly the Republicans in the Senate and in the House, who are so fearful of that lack of support, that lack of money that they get from the gun lobbyists, and from the gun companies who pay for their campaigns, that all that money is going to go away if we ban assault rifles. So, Mr. Senator, so, Mr. Congressman, you know, look your daughter in the eye. Look your son in the eye when your grandchild gets killed in one of these shootings. And remember, you didn't do a fucking thing. Because all you wanted to do was get reelected and get that money from the NRA and the rest of the gun lobbyists. Like they're going to go broke if there's a ban on assault rifles. The only people who should be entitled to bear the arms called an assault rifle in this country are the military, 
and law enforcement. That's it. No private citizen should be entitled to go near one. Maybe at a shooting range, but nah, not even there. Not even there. There is no impingement on your Second Amendment right to bear arms. Everybody thinks if we're going to ban assault rifles, nobody can ever have a gun anymore. No. No. That's not the deal. That's not the deal. This is an ounce of prevention to result in a pound of cure. Doesn't happen anywhere else. Why does it have to happen here? And don't give me the bullshit about, well, you know, uh, it's the board. They're all coming across the, they're all coming across the living. No, they're not. The assault rifle that was used in the church shooting at Joel Osteen's church was legally purchased. And of course, in Texas was legally purchased. And oh, by the way, if 80% or 70% or 50% of these mass shootings are with legally purchased assault rifles, that means you could have presented, prevented that number of them. Oh, well, you know, we have more money into mental awareness, in assisting the mental. What the fuck do you think they're going to do with some kind of mental awareness when they're buried in a chat room with Nazi slogans and you know, tattooing swastikas on their fucking head, saying death to the Jews and death to the blacks and death to the Asians. What the fuck do you think you're going to do with money to help them mentally? You put a gun in their fucking hands, you are authorizing them to kill people. So remember, Mr. Congressman and Mr. Senator, the next time another kid dies, that could be your grandchild. And you will have done not one fucking thing about it, you piece of shit pussy. You 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 got me started. <laughs> hey, you got me started. People need to so hear that's, it. That that that's all on you. People that's need all to hear. On it. You. There's a part of me that is hopeful, although they do not need to. You have two plus of the most popular athletes, of course, in your state, but in an entire sport that were impacted by this. Wouldn't be the worst of things to maybe see those guys standing in front of a congressional board or elsewhere speaking up for what needs to change. You could do a lot worse having two oh, of the you, biggest you, stars you, in the you, NFL being you, advocates you for do, the correct you can thing. Do, you can do a lot better. Here's what you can do. And I, I don't dislike her. I'm not a fan. We know the mag is hater which makes her even more favorable to me, which makes her even more attractive to me. But since her boyfriend was just exposed to it, since the team she roots to was just exposed for it, since the fans of the team that she was roots for were just one was killed and others wounded by it. I'm not putting this on you, Taylor Swift, but think about the impact you could have. Think about what Taylor Swift could do for gun control if she stood up and said this has got to end and i'm calling on the politicians i'm calling on the members of congress both in the upper chamber and the lower chamber i'm calling on our state legislatures we must ban assault rifles nationwide now this can't happen again 
and put it on whatever that thing is, Instagram or whatever the stuff, TikTok, ship shop, all that stuff. All right? All right? Think of what kind of impact that could, could potentially have. Think about the benefit that she could do this nation with her input and her following if that could become a nationwide clamor a nationwide frenzy that makes these politicians finally act. Finally. Before we get exposed to any more of these heinous crimes. Before any more kid, not the, you know, look, any more people, but especially any more kids have to die by senseless fucks who just have no value on, put no value on human life. That is unacceptable. And the fact that we continue to do nothing about it, that those who make our laws continue to do stand back and do absolutely nothing to stop it from happening. Because the most damaging element of the crime is the gun. People don't, <laughs> guns don't kill people. People do. Yeah, well, they can't kill them with a bow and arrow. There's no mass shooting. They shot an arrow into the air. All right? Not happening. There's nobody coming in and throwing grenades at crowds. It's always the assault rifles. It's always the fucking assault rifles. Yes. Yes, we have bombings. I understand. I understand. But the mass shootings, we have an ability to put a huge huge restriction on if we just ban the sale purchase of assault rifles in this country and that they only be allowed to be possessed by the military and law enforcement get those fucking guns tough look too for the we need more guns folks to stop the guns and to eliminate the problems when it was a couple of good Samaritans in the crowd who just tackled one of the culprits trying to run away. What type of guns did they have? While the police were about 200 yards, the, the camera pans to the side and continues over to look at the police just standing around having a chat while these two or three folks have this dude tackled and are holding him down until law enforcement finally gets over there to them. Shout out to the people that have to run into these buildings, run after these people, instead of being like how I definitely would be, running the other direction, like a coward, hand up. I wouldn't be the one running into the buildings, running after these dudes. But thank God for those people around this country that aren't afraid to do those things and help save more lives for it. But it's a sin that we're here again. And as unfortunate it is for us to have to ask potentially for these superstars to stop what they're doing professionally and personally and go above and beyond for us, I don't know what other answers there are, what other help there can be. That's how bad it all is that we have to ask, hey, among the hundreds of things you do, could you maybe do one more? Awful to well, see and unfortunate that the change is going to be 
well, maybe next year we'll have to have it at Arrowhead and everyone has to go through metal detectors and he could only sit around the stadium seating and we'll do a little parade around the field like Wade Boggs on the horse in 96 instead of being able to drive through the towns. Because that is the answer to this, not fixing the actual problem. Great. The answers are there. They're not easy ones. But there, there are remedies. Who's got the guts? Who's got the intestinal fortitude? Who's got the caring? Who's got the concern? Who's got the value structure in their mind to know what the most important thing is to do for this country and the kids who live in this country and simply not the most important things for themselves? as lawmakers. What are you going there for? Why are you going there? Why are you taking the oath? Why you want to be a congressman? Why you want to be a senator? Why you want to be a state assemblyman? Why you want to be a state senator? What's the goal? If it's to serve and do everything you can to make this a better country, a better state, a better county, a better town, then it's time to get the fucking guns. Yes, we have more people than pretty much anywhere else. But the percentage of mass shootings in this country vis-a-vis other nations, some of them incredibly large, is theirs are minuscule compared to ours because no matter what they say when it comes to what they do actions speak louder than words they don't care other countries mourn mass shootings like we mourn 9-11 if we did that here we'd have to double and triple up the days. We've run out of days several times over. We run out of days halfway through the year. Fix it. That's what we're getting at. Just a question of where, just a question of where's next. A somber end to the football season. A football season that we complained mostly about for low scores and ugly games. We were treated to as such in the Super Bowl, at least for the first half. Anytime touchdown bets just getting ripped up and thrown out the window. Just begging for somebody to score. If you had kicker props, congratulations. As two records were set, poor Moody sets the record for Super Bowl kicks and Butler breaks it in like two minutes. Kelsey and Mahomes, death taxes, and them. Another Steve Super Christie Bowl for the no Chiefs. More. Steve Christie is no more. He held his record for quite a while. Broken, as you said, twice within a span of five minutes. Uh, folks, for my partner, the great John Tinylund, uh, you can blame the last portion of this program on him. As I said, he got me started. And uh, that's a mistake when it comes to this topic. Uh, 
We apologize for the language. Uh, we don't apologize for the approach. Next week, uh, we will move it into uh, some NBA. Uh, since the NBA All-Star break is just about a weekend upon us, uh, we will take our approach uh, to a new sport. I should say a new sport, but we'll concentrate on the National Basketball Association, shift to college basketball as March Madness draws closer. Uh, so for the first time without football, try and have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>